Welcome back, friends. Lost Garf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. This podcast is dedicated to going over everything Kirby, and this time we're going over a two-parter with episodes 41 and 42 of Kirby Right Back At Ya. We're also working on the next game episode, which will be Kirby Superstar, and that's going to take some time to work on. As always, you can give us feedback on the YouTube version's comments section or at Kirby Dreamcast on Twitter. Also, don't forget that Kirby's Dreamcast now has its own channel on the YouTube so you can only get Kirby content if you want, if you don't want to see our other projects. So speaking of Kirby Superstar, the anniversary for Kirby Superstar was in Japan on March 21st, 1996. US, September 20th, 1996. The EU, January 23rd, 1997. Also, the Kirby Star Allies' third anniversary was on the 16th of March, worldwide, 2018. And speaking of that, the big news right now is that Kirby Star Allies just had their third anniversary, and so because of that, their art book is coming out. It actually came out already. And I'm very jealous of the people who live in Japan. There's no saying if it was going to come to the US as well. I hope it does, but right now there isn't. And the cheapest I can find through importers is $70 shipping. I assume this is because of the pandemic, so it's like that with all the websites. I've checked a couple. They all say 70 so I think that's true. And it's a $35 book, so it sucks to be me. I can't justify spending $100 on the book as much as I want this book. So hoping there's a cheaper way to get in the future. But one more thing that I learned is an interesting fact. So, someone translated an interview with Sakurai from, like, 20 years back, and in it, he confirms that Kirby doesn't have teeth or bones, and those aren't shoes. The red parts are, in fact, Kirby's feet. So, wow at that fact. So, all the people who draw feet Kirby are wrong, so you don't have to think about that nightmare anymore. So, today we're covering episodes 41 and 42 of Kirby Right Back At Ya, and in the US, they were episodes 38 and 39 because of some shuffling. The episodes were titled Prediction Predicament, Parts 1 and 2, while in Japan they were Mabel's Big Prediction, Parts 1 and 2. Air dates were March 22nd to 29th, 2003 in the US, and July 20th and 27th, 2002 in Japan. So the episode begins with King Diddy in bed. He wakes up because of a bright light shining in his window. He goes over to see it, and what is it? It's a Kirby! And he's cutely walking up to King Diddy while midair, which is weird. And he's on fire all of a sudden! And suddenly he grows fangs, too! And he's getting closer, and closer, and bigger, and bigger, until he jumps through the window into King Dedede's room. King Dedede tries to run from the giant smiling fire demon Kirby, but he can't get away. Eventually, the heat from Kirby gets so bad that King Dedede is engulfed in flames. If you pay close attention, you can see Kirby mouth, You deserve this. Just kidding, but oh my god if he did. So... King Diddy tries to fight back with his hammer, and eventually wakes up as he makes contact with this hammer. Except, it turns out he bonked Escargoon with his hammer. Escargoon says King Diddy was sleepwalking, or in this place, sleepwhacking, teehee, and King Diddy says he was dreaming someone was after him. In this case, it was Kirby. And then the awesome opener happens. So I want to bring up music again at this point. Music in shows and movies is a character too. It can help give your context or mood for a scene, and music is very important, of course, because of that. So, the American version has very high-energy music, and it's really good for comedy and action scenes, while the original Japanese music is more dramatic and low-energy, so they're better for satire or suspense scenes. This is general. There are times when both sides, of course, try to do low-energy or high-energy, and it's just not as good as their strong points. So overall, I think the American version does a better job with the music than the Japanese version, because the majority of episodes are high-energy. But the one thing that the original has over the US version is that they also get to use Kirby music on occasion, and that's always a win. But when it comes to this two-parter, it's very interesting watching both versions when it comes to the music. Because they're arguably both great in different ways in how they convey the important scenes. Like this first scene, 
is very interesting depending on the version you see. The US version is a frantic nightmare. The Japanese version, it's a really scary horror nightmare. Both are good, but for different reasons. Now after the opener, we see King Dedede with uh, Waddle Doo and the Waddle Dee army, and he orders them to protect him if Kirby tries to attack him. Waddle Doo asks King Dedede if he's actually scared of Kirby, which King Dedede denies, which of course relieves Waddle Doo because, well, Kirby's already here, King Dedede, and King Dedede freaks out. We then see where Kirby is. He's hanging out with Tuff and his friends, because of course he is, and Tuff is giving out lollipops, and Kirby gets the biggest one because he's the hero. Spikehead doesn't like that, he doesn't think it's fair, but come on, Kirby is the hero, give it to him. And Kirby cutely enjoys his lollipop, and he starts sitting on the ramparts while enjoying it, and he accidentally drops it with carelessness. As the lollipop falls, the stick end hits the castle wall and bounces, and lands on King Dedede's back, right on his two symbol. Kirby sees this and floats down to get to it. King Dedede sees Kirby floating down at him, and freaks out and has a PTSD moment, and runs for his life. We then have a really cute and funny chase scene. King Dedede's running away, Kirby thinks it's a game all of a sudden, so he's chasing really enthusiastically. And at one point, King Dedede, like, closes a, a door, and he thinks Kirby's behind the door, and then Kirby just appears on his back, and he's like, oh, snap! It's very funny. They're running through the halls, King Dedede knocks over Tiff, he almost knocks over Escargoon, and just more cute chasing. Eventually, King Dedede crashes face-first into a stone wall, embeds himself in it, and Kirby gets the lollipop and goes back to what he was doing. Very funny. After recovering, King Dedede goes to see Mabel to get his dreams interpreted. As he drives away, we get a cute shot of Kirby with his lollipop in his mouth some more, and the kids wonder what King Dedede's up to, and Tiff says that, based on past experience, it's probably something stupid. Tiff with the burns. In Cappy Town, a crowd of Cappies are there, and they block King Dedede's drive, and he asks them what's going on, they say, they made a request three years ago. They wanted a playground for the kids, and King Dedede still hasn't fulfilled that request. King Dedede brushes them off and says he's too busy to build a playground, despite, you know, having the Waddle Dee army. And he tries to drive through the crowd. Thankfully, the crowd gets out of the way just in time. But it's pretty mean of King Dedede. He's not a very nice king at all, is he? And then he heads into Mabel's to get his dream interpreted. The next scene is very weird. And it's, it's because the Japanese version, they have this scene. It's very odd. And the US version tries to utilize that scene. And it doesn't work out either. In the Japanese version of this scene, Samo says King Dedede's probably seeing Mabel because Mabel has a lot of life experience. And the townspeople look at him and go like, huh? And that's the scene. In the US version, they use this to give away some information early, which they didn't need to. And what happens is Samos says that, well, it's too bad King Didi didn't go to his bar first, because then he could have fed information to Mabel about what King Didi wants to talk about. And then the townspeople are like, what? It's a very odd scene, and I feel like they could have just cut it out of the US version, because it just makes things odd, and it doesn't really help with the storytelling, because later on in the scenes... We'll see Tiff learning stuff about Mabel and Samo, and it's better her learning it than us just getting the information out of nowhere. Like, it's gonna get revealed later on that Samo actually spies for Mabel. He gets information from everyone because everyone goes to his bar and they say their troubles to him, and then he tells Mabel that so that Mabel can speak like a psychic and counsel people. So basically, Samo gathers information, and Mabel is a guidance counselor for the town. So they're doing a service for the town, basically. And just, if you're a psychic, people take it more seriously. I think that's just the whole gimmick going on there. And we're going to learn that through Tiff meeting Samuel and Mabel in the story. By the way, during this scene, there is a uh, visual mistake. 
And that is Chef Kawasaki. He's all orange. His feet are orange as well when they're usually like dark orange or red. So that's just a visual mistake right there. So inside Mabel's house, King Dedede is telling Mabel about his dream. And Mabel says the monster haunting him in his dreams isn't Kirby, but his conscience. King Diddy has no idea what a conscience is, by the way. She's telling him that it's guilt over not building the playground that he promised. King Diddy and Escargoon leave and tell everyone she's a fraud as they really leave. So Mabel's attempt to manipulate King Diddy has failed. And you get why. She's telling them to do a thing that they don't want to do. And this is something that just happens, is people will believe in someone until they tell them something that they don't want to hear, then they don't believe them anymore. This is just something with human nature. And apparently also with king nature. As they leave, Tiff, Tuff, and Kirby are there, and Tiff asks what's going on, and Mabel mentions that he's just having bad dreams and that Kirby is scaring him in the dreams. And so Tuff goes, hey, we should scare King Dedede, and Kirby's all about that mayhem. Tiff stays behind and learns from Samo some of the stuff I said earlier. Everyone thinks Mabel's a psychic, but nope, she just tries her best to give good advice to the people of Capitown. She's being a guidance counselor and using just psychic ability to make them trust her more that they'll actually do the thing. Because, you know, you trust psychics. I guess Samo thinks Tiff is trustworthy to not tell everyone. Back at the castle, Escargoon tries to make coffee for King Dedede. His answer to the problem is, if you don't want bad dreams, then you don't sleep at all. And he gives him really bitter coffee. King Dedede doesn't enjoy it at all, but he still falls asleep anyway. And then Escargoon has to bonk him awake. And then he falls asleep again, and Escargoon goes to bonk him awake again, but King Dedede grabs the hammer out of his hand and bonks the crap out of Escargoon. Holy crap. Outside of King Dedede's bedroom, though, Tuff ropes in Falala and Folalo to help him, and we see Kirby being very cute as always during the plotting. Meanwhile, Tiff ignores Samo apparently, and tries to get Mabel to divine the future anyway. It's very odd here. In both versions, Tiff at this point knows Mabel's in a psychic, but she's like, try anyway, maybe you are a psychic or something like that. Very odd. But Mabel gives up and says that Samo's where she gets all her information from, that Samo's the real seer here because he gleans information from the people at the bar. So Tiff thinks, okay, well, if you're about gathering information and coming up to conclusions, then let's go investigate the castle. And that's what they do. So we cut to them in the castle, and they're in a secret laboratory at the top of the castle. And there's an observatory there, too. And it's very odd for King Didi to have this, because why would he be interested in any of this? But I guess he is. Because Tiff tells Mabel that, yeah, King Didi buys lots of toys and just forgets about them, and Mabel figures this is where their tax bunny's going. And that's unfortunate. Mabel looks through the telescope and sees a big red ball in the sky. Back at King Dedede's, he's fallen asleep and Escargoon leaves before he gets whacked again. So the kids sneak in and scare King Dedede using Kirby and a flashlight. He runs away in fear and then gets scared again in the hallways because they chase him down and scare him again with Kirby. What this does, though, is causes problems because it prompts King Dedede to go to the throne room and contact Nightmare Enterprises to order a monster that can put out fires. And he ends up getting Friggy. Friggy's this weird one-legged woolly mammoth monster with ice powers. And they're voiced by Chiro Kanzaki. In the Japanese version, of course, and I think that makes sense in the US version too, it's the same one. And the thing is, Friggy doesn't talk. The random fact is, in Japan, animal noises are done by voice actors. They're not done by animal noises. That is such a weird thing, but it is what they do. I don't know why it is, maybe it's some, like, union thing. By the way, in the Japanese version, Friggy's name is Reijo. Reizo is a combination of two words. Rei means cold and Zhou means elephant. And I just realized something. In One Piece, there's a nation that lives on an elephant and that nation is named Zhou. So they're the elephant nation. Wow. Straightforward with that name. So Friggy breaks down a castle wall and finds Kirby. Kirby looks at it dumbfounded and bam, takes an ice blast to the face. The ice blast is coming out of the elephant's trunk, so ew. And Kirby gets hit with another blast and runs off. 
This fight has some interesting enemy attacks, and it's very creative because Kirby gets iced over, so he's now covered in ice, so he's slower, and he's just taking damage. And then Fridgey shoots the ceiling and drops icicles at Kirby. And then Fridgey shoots the ground, and Kirby gets blasted again and starts bouncing around the, at the walls like a hockey puck. It is amazing. This is a very creative enemy. It's pretty cool. Tiff eventually tells Kirby to suck it up, and he tries, but he takes another ice blast to the face, and he gets slammed into a wall, and ice lands on Kirby. So Kirby is taking quite the ice beating, so this is definitely one for the baby beating counter. Kirby, though, gets lucky and doesn't get crushed to death, because what happens next is the mammoth jumps in the air and tries to land on Kirby, but misses and lands on the ice instead and frees Kirby. So Kirby barely doesn't get killed. But then Kirby, unfortunately, gets blasted with a couple more ice attacks. Luckily, though, Meta Knight shows up and gives Kirby a torch to use to become Fire Kirby. Mabel says she never could have predicted this, so she's there now. And despite the fact everyone could have guessed this would happen anyway, because, well, fire beats ice, right? And Meta Knight confirms that because he says the coldest ice is nothing against fire, which is certifiably false, because it depends on temperatures, obviously, what's the hottest thing, what's the coldest thing. But anyway, Kirby takes it to heart and enters into a beam struggle with the Mammoth. Eventually, Kirby overcomes the Mammoth and lights it on fire! The thing's running around, burning, and then it just melts into water. That is a heck of a way to go. Kirby with another brutal kill. Then King Dedede freaks out because now his dream is coming true because Fire Kirby's right there. And he runs in fear again. And Mabel stops him and takes him to the observatory. She shows him the big red ball in the sky and tells King Dedede it's an asteroid that's heading for the planet that may come to the planet someday and burn the kingdom. And so he can stop blaming Kirby. King Dedede laughs because the asteroid's so tiny and goes to sleep because he doesn't understand perspective and distance, I guess. Tiff, though, is worried about the asteroid, but Mabel says it's okay because the asteroid won't be there for another thousand years. But the salesman thinks they could speed up the process a bit to cause trouble for Kirby. Nightmare agrees and says, let's do it. Kirby then looks through Tiff's telescope to see the big red ball for himself, and he looks up at it with worry because it looks like it's coming right at them. Now, in the US version... We get the voice of Benny Kage, the ninja from episode 24, saying, Is there anything Kirby can do to stop it? Tune in next time to find out. Benny Kage is voiced by Andrew Rennells, who is the voice of Rick. He's also the voice director for Kirby right back at you, so he's on hand to do these two-parter connections, I guess. And this final scene is odd, because it's supposed to feed into the next episode. And what's odd about it is just how it's handled in both versions. In the US version, Mabel just says, This asteroid's coming. And that's it, that Kirk, King Didi doesn't have to blame Kirby for that. But next episode, she makes it more threatening that if King Didi doesn't build the playground, that the asteroid's going to hit him. Which is just, it's just oddly put, because she could have been more aggressive about that in the first episode, but she doesn't. The Japanese version also is a bit odd about it as well. So first up, though, when she introduces the asteroid, she calls it the Phantom Star Gorath. This is actually a movie reference to the movie Ominous Star Gorath from 1962 in Japan. And she tells King Dedede, it'll be here in a week to destroy the planet and burn King Dedede. So she's being way more threatening in the Japanese version. She's telling him, if he doesn't change his ways, this is going to happen. But King Dedede is like, if it isn't Kirby, I'm not scared. And he goes to sleep, which says a lot about how threatening Kirby is to King Dedede. And then Tiff asks if Fitz is okay, and Mabel assures him, like, yeah, it's fine. I'm not psychic. It'll be all right. But no, in the Japanese version, it's revealed that Nightmare Enterprise has summoned this star. They want to destroy the planet. They want to kill Kirby. So it's much better in Japanese version. It's explained way better. And the final scene is really good in Japanese version for sure. Because it's just ominous, ominous music. Kirby's looking at the asteroid, well, at the star. And it's coming at you. It's coming towards the fourth wall. And it fades to black. There's no see you next time. It's just fades to black.
I think that's a way more powerful way to do it. I guess because kids, they just thought they had to put it more in your face at see next time for the next part of this episode. It's the only guess I can make. So part two of this episode in the US version opens with a summary of the first episode by Benny Kage and then the awesome opener. The Japanese side is explained by Tiff from her perspective, and it's definitely better since it's her commenting on the whole thing. After the opener, we get King Dedede unveiling a new statue in Capitown, and it's a golden statue of himself with that weird spiky crown he likes so much. So instead of a playground, he built a statue. The Cappies are unsurprisingly mad about this. They want a playground, not a big ugly statue. And Escargoon says the only reason it's so ugly is because it's an exact replica of the king. That's a good joke, I like that one. Kawasaki brings up that they don't need a statue with an asteroid heading towards them, but King Dedede assures them the chances of the asteroid hitting his statue is low. Another good joke. Mabel then comes up and says some interesting wording. She says, she already warned King Dedede about the asteroid and that he should build the playground to avoid disaster. Considering the wording of the last episode, she's trying to use the asteroid to convince King Dedede to build the playground, but she doesn't believe it's going to hit the planet anytime soon. She's not being totally committal to this thing, but she is saying words in a way that can be construed that way. But unfortunately for her, she's actually wrong about the asteroid. Japanese version, she's more direct about her threat about it hitting them. Yeah, just differences in how the American version makes it more... Like, she's just playing with wordplay, while the Japanese version, she's just straight up saying, you gotta do this, or it's gonna hit. But King Diddy and Escargoon laugh off her threat, and that's it for the scene. We then have Professor Curio show Tuff and Kirby, and the Lowe's are there too, a meteorite, and Tuff asks about the asteroid, which he replies would be really bad for them. But they only happen on rare occurrences, like once every 10,000 years. Then Tuff asks Chief Bookham about it, and he laughs off the whole thing. And then we have a conversation with Takori, Chef Kawasaki, and Gus about it with Tuff and the others. And Takori thinks Mabel's nuts. Gus brings up that the local volcano's acting up too, and Chef Kawasaki hopes it isn't real because then he'd have to close his restaurant, which no one else sees as a loss. By the way, the Japanese version, of course, references it as a star, and so when Kira shows the meteorite, he says it's stardust. I am unsure which one is the more accurate one here, and it's a big flaming ball, but it is hurling towards the planet, and if it really is a star, they'd be dead way earlier than it getting so close to the planet. By the way, you might be wondering, what's the difference between a meteorite and an asteroid? Well, I looked it up. Asteroids are big rocks, ranging from almost as big as a planet, and they orbit the sun, but they're not as big as a planet. While meteorites are rocks that break off of an asteroid. So a planet getting hit with a meteorite isn't as bad as an asteroid hitting a planet. Because it's believed an asteroid is what killed the dinosaurs. Later that night, Tiff notices all the mice in the castle run away, and there are hundreds of them. I don't know who's feeding them, the Waddle Dees? I don't know. Or maybe it's just because King Dedede has just a lot of food. Midnight tells Tiff that mice usually evacuate before a ship sinks, and this worries Tiff. Only Tiff, by the way. The next morning, the asteroid is as big as the sun in the sky, and Escargoon tries to convince King Dedede he should be worried, but King Dedede isn't phased at all. They even go up and look at it more closely at the observatory, but King Dedede is still in denial until it gets even bigger in the sky, which finally makes him worry. Meanwhile, Tiff is making calculations, and during that, the Capus decide to ask Kaboo for help. Unfortunately, Kaboo tells them the asteroid is coming and will destroy... Everything. There's going to be a bunch of calamities. Strong winds, volcanoes, everything's going to happen before it hits and destroys the planet. Tiff then shows up and says she's calculated they have 48 hours until it hits. And everyone is in shock and Mabel can't believe her prediction was true. Tiff thinks they can fight the asteroid, but the Cappies all in unison roll over and accept it. Even her parents, who aren't Cappies by the way, walk away with the Cappies in the same mood. Everyone just goes home. You start to realize that, yeah, this is why King Diddy runs his kingdom. Now, something interesting is what happens with the mayor and his wife, Hana, and Chief Bookham and his wife, Buttercup. Both husbands express their love for their wives, and that they'll be okay dying next to them, and the wives relate the same. It's very sweet and very dark, so one of those very bittersweet things. It's rare in Kirby, but it happens. 
And during all of this, Kirby's just sleeping in Takori's nest until he's awoken by Takori. And Takori's like, hey, look at that red glow. That's not good. And Kirby's like, huh. And that's it. Kirby's just ignoring what's going on. He's just home. But the sky is red because the asteroid is eclipsing the sun. It is big and it's almost there. Escargoon then tries to leave the castle to go die with his mom. <laughs> Dark. And he gives King Dedede a piece of paper where all the snacks are. But King Dedede rips up the paper and grabs Escargoon to make sure he dies with him. Really dark. And as you might have guessed in the Japanese version, it's Escargoon resigning to go die with his mom and King Dedede ripping up his resignation paper. Super dark scene. Continuing with how dark this all is, King Dedede and Escargoon go skating around the castle. Way too many characters are okay with the fact everyone's going to die. Tiff angrily gets to work and tries to figure out a way to save the planet. Meta and his knights and the Lowe's offer their help. Tiff decides that mathematically if they fire all cannonballs at the asteroid at the right time, they can make the asteroid change course and thus save the planet. An awful plan, but at least he's trying to do something. Interestingly, in the Japanese version, she's trying to destroy the star and a knight has to suggest that maybe they can change its course. I get why the US version changed this because Tiff's supposed to have always good ideas, and this keeps her as the smartest person in the room. Still a bad plan no matter what, though. And while she prepares, volcanoes are erupting, strong winds are blasting everywhere, and so the Cappies go to King Dedede's castle for shelter for the end. This, of course, annoys King Dedede, and Escargoon calls him a blubbermouth, which results in a punch from King Dedede. Eventually, the two of them cry and hug when they realize they won't be able to continue this abusive relationship once the asteroid hits. The next thing that happens is confessions. Chief Bookham admits to Tuggle that he stole a donut once because he forgot his wallet at home, while Tuggle admits that he actually has been overcharging Chief Bookham this whole time to get the money back, so he forgives him. Then my favorite confession. Dr. Yabui accidentally removed Melman the mailman's molars because he mixed them up with a different patient. And Melman forgives him as he admits that he's been losing Dr. Yabui's mail for two whole years. What the heck? The next apology is Spikehead admitting to Iroh that he peaked when they played hide and seek, which Iroh forgives. But the Japanese version is longer and different. In the Japanese version, Iroh has been stealing food from his family and blaming Spikehead for it. And so the way this starts out is the father of Iroh comes with Iroh and he says, my son needs to make an apology. And he punches his son in the head through his hat, which is why you see a dent in his hat in the U.S. version, because they didn't change that out. And so Iroh is apologizing for stealing food and blaming Spikehead, and Spikehead apologizes for digging a hole and Iroh falling into it. So it's very different Japanese version. And you get why they cut that differently, because it is a father punching his son but they did keep the hat bent. I guess they didn't want to put in the time to fix that. The next confession is Chef Kawasaki trying to admit to Tiff's parents that he accidentally served them something weird, and before we can tell him what it is, they vehemently refuse to let him finish. He's trying to make amends. He's trying to, of course, absolve himself of something, and they won't let him say what it is, because they do not want to know, and I get it. I wouldn't want to know if I was fed something weird. I wouldn't want to know. Ignorance is bliss. And lastly, Mabel admits that she didn't predict the asteroid to Samo. She saw it on King Dedede's telescope, that's what she tells him, and Samo reassures her that he turned to her for advice any day and they embrace. Just get married, you two. And really, this is a choice of wording here, he's like, he'd come for advice anytime. He wasn't there for psychic stuff, he's there for advice because he knows she's a counselor. And so that's sweet, and they should get married already. And then something really silly happens. Escargoon realizes... He has something to confess, and confesses he stole 500 nickels from King Dedede's piggy bank and gets punched, but also forgiven. But the Japanese version? So much worse. He stole one billion dollars from King Dedede. One billion. 
B-I-L-L-N. Like, that's a lot of money. And then King Dedede confesses that he has nothing to, conf to confess. King Dedede says he's never done anything he's sorry for in his life. And he then makes Escargoon tell him if he has done anything wrong, which Escargoon admits that the king maybe been a, a jerk move to make a statue instead of a playground, like it was rotten and selfish. And King Dedede realizes this is the only mistake he's ever made in his life. The only mistake he's ever made. The only one. The only one. So he drives off with the Waddle Dee army and blows up the statue and has Waddle Dee order the Dees to get to work. He then drives and grabs Kirby and takes him to the playground. Kirby happily runs to the playground and goes to play on the swing. He actually says Baranko, which is Japanese for swing, as he hops on the swing between his poyo. So you hear poyo, poyo, Baranko, poyo, poyo. He says it really quick, so it's hard to hear it, but he does say it. And Kirby's extremely cute here. Of course he is. He's on a swing set. It's very cute. King Dedede gets on the other swing and laments. And now this is another scene where it's better in the original. The music is quieter. The scene is much more somber. Also the advantage of the original being they can play Kirby songs. The song in this scene is the ending theme to Milky Way Wishes from Kirby Superstar. So that's pretty cool right there. And it's just very, yeah, it's just somber. Very sad. Like King Dedede is just like, well, we're gonna die. <laughs> and he's just enjoying the swing while Kirby's happily on the swing. Ignorance is bliss again. Kirby doesn't understand. They're all gonna die, and he's just enjoying himself on the swing. And then, out of nowhere, a gust of wind comes in and blasts both of them off the swings and away from the playground. And then we see how other characters are dealing with these strong winds and the volcanoes and everything. Wispy Woods is just taking it, because what he's gonna do? He's a tree. Dynablade's hiding in a cave with Dynachick. And Kaboo's also just sitting there, because what's Kaboo gonna do? But unfortunately for the sheep, by the way, they're blasted into the sky too with Kirby and King Dedede. And eventually, they get blasted towards the castle as Tiff prepares the cannons. In unison, Tiff, Meta, and his knights, Tuff, Falala, and Falalo all fire the cannons at the same time, and it's a barrage of cannonballs sailing towards the asteroid. Unfortunately, they aren't strong enough, and they fall short. But luckily, Kirby's there and full of happy energy. So Tiff summons the Warp Star, and it picks up Kirby, and Kirby sees that if he's in the Warp Star, it's gotta be action time, so... Kirby flies towards the asteroid. King Dedede, on the other hand, falls towards his castle and lands on that metal spike on the top of the castle, and he's stuck there now. I have no idea what it's called. I Google searched, I looked around, could not find the answer to what this thing is called, by the way. I really wish I knew what it was called. If anyone knows, tell me what it's called. By the way, an interesting line here in the Japanese version, King Dedede says he's okay with dying if Kirby's there with him. I personally take this as he's okay with dying there because Kirby's gonna be dead too. Because we know King Dedede does not like Kirby. We know he doesn't. It's not the same as the mayor and his wife. It's definitely not the same as that. It's gotta be just animosity because it is King Dedede. I know people like King Dedede, but he is a jerk too. This isn't like the nicer King Dedede that gets reformed. This is a jerk King Dedede. So Kirby's flying towards the asteroid with his warp star, and he sucks up all the cannonballs and fires them at the asteroid all at once. This causes an explosion that somehow makes the asteroid float up, despite the fact that Kirby hit it at an angle that wouldn't do that. But before the asteroid leaves, it brushes against the metal rod on the castle, and the heat from that goes down, and you hear a loud yell from King Dedede. Now, our editor of this podcast, Jinx, is convinced Nami Enterprises decided to call off the asteroid because there's no way they stopped. But somehow they did. And yeah, it's, it's really weird that they just stopped it, and there's no explanation in the Japanese version. Both versions say Kirby was able to hit it enough that it made it change course. But there's no way. 
And it's also, this makes me believe Asteroid, because if it was a star, they would have died from the heat for sure. Now, arguably here, both versions of the build-up to the asteroid are pretty good. They're on par with each other. I'm talking from the swing blast all the way to where we've been on the scene. In the O's version, the song is a lot of dread going on with the swing scene. Swing away, swing away, save your cares for another day, save them for another day. And then once Kirby gets the warp star... It's bombastic music as always, it's really good action music, and it goes very well. In the original, though, it's this build-up song to the concentration with the Astrium. As the winds are blowing, as you see Wispy, Kaboom, Dynablade, and all that stuff, as they're preparing the cannons, they're just doing a lot of drumming and building up the music. It's very much kind of like Super Mario 3 when you're on the, the airship levels. It's kind of like that kind of build-up going on right there. It's just very militaristic, it's building up the music, there's got to be a confrontation soon. It's that kind of music, and it goes really well. And then once Kirby gets on the Warp Star, it's the original's usual action music. And the whimsy works very well here, because it's not like a battle to the death with a monster. This is Kirby flying around and shooting an asteroid. So it's more whimsical, and it works here. And then after blowing the asteroid away is the final scene. And that is, after the asteroid leaves, everyone sees Mabel as a real psychic because... King Dedede did get fried because of the heat going through the metal rod, and everyone laughs, including Escarid Goon. King Dedede is really angry about this, and then Kirby comes down and waves at King Dedede. King Dedede breathes out some smoke from getting burned, and then Kirby's just confused about what's going on, and... The end. Now, a fun thing I've started doing with these episodes is considering things from Kirby's perspective only. On the first day, Kirby's just enjoying a lollipop. Then chasing King Dedede to get that lollipop because he dropped it. He's like, oh, this lollipop's really good. Oh no, I dropped it. Oh, hey, it's on his back. I better go get that. And he's like, why is he running? You know what? This is a game. I'm going to go chase him. Then he's hanging out with Tuffin friends, and then he finds out King Dedede is scared of him, so they scare King Dedede. Kirby has fun being a little prankster until a monster shows up and then blasts him with lots of ice. He's like, ah, what the heck? This keeps getting here. He's like, ouch, 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 ouch. He gets hurt a bunch, but eventually melts the big meanie monster. And after that, Kirby looks at the asteroid with Tip's telescope and seems a little worried, but forgets about it and goes home. <laughs> Pretty much like, oh, that's a big rock. Well, that looks dangerous. And then he just goes home. Then the next day, the statue's unveiled, and Kirby's learning about the asteroid while hanging out with Tuff. Then he's doing a lot of sleeping while everyone back in town is just really busy and scared. Well, for Kirby, he's just like, well, I'm just home. Everyone's at town doing whatever. Then King Dedede just shows up and drags him from his home so he can go to the playground. Kirby's like, oh yeah, playground. Just I'm having fun. I'm on a, I'm on a swing. This is really enjoyable. And he's being very happy. And then a gust of wind blasts him away from the swing. He's like, oh no! And eventually sees the asteroid, and then the Warp Star shows up. He's like, alright, well, Warp Star's here, I guess it's time to get to work. And even though he doesn't know what's going on, Kirby goes into action because the baby knows that the Warp Star means business. If the Warp Star's here, it's time to do work. It's time to save the day. And then Kirby follows the nice girl's directions, Tiff, and sucks up and fires the cannonballs of the asteroid, wonder how they tasted to him, and doesn't really understand what's going on. But things are less hot now, and for some reason King Dedede's fried and not looking very happy, the end. <laughs> that's funny. Alright, so that's everything in this episode. As you can hear, the format has changed a little bit. I've realized that to give an even better picture of these episodes, I should bring up interesting differences between the US and Japanese versions. It gives you an idea of what's changed and why they changed it. A lot of times, the US version gets changed because of editing for either censoring because there's a gun or too much violence. Well, too much violence is very rare. It's mostly just guns. 
And sometimes they just cut some things out for time for commercials. That's about it. Those are the more obvious ones. It's just interesting to think about, of course, the dialogue and the music and how it shapes the context and the weight of scenes. I argue a lot of the time that the US version does a better job. It's because of multiple reasons. One is the music just is matched better. But the other is because they're the second shot at this thing. Since they're the second shot at doing the story, they can have better ideas because they can just, they have more information, basically. But again, the US version falters in the more emotional scenes, like Kirby's dog and Chili, for sure. Japan did that part way better. Next time, we will do episode 43, which has some fun scenes, and eventually Kirby Superstar will be done. It just takes a while to research that game, but we'll be researching both things in the future. So that right there is the podcast. You can find us almost anywhere podcasts are hosted, everywhere but like Stitcher. That's it. We're on iTunes. We're on everything. Tell people about us. We're the only Kirby podcast, people. The only one. You want to talk about Kirby? We're the podcast for it. So let fans of Kirby know. I had fun. Hope you had fun. And that's what it's all about, is it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by and see you next time. Thank you.